Welcome in to another Orange and Blue Review Podcast. It is officially match day once more. I am Charlie Hatch, joined by Alex Deck, and we are getting ready for FC Cincinnati's game against Chicago Fire FC on Tuesday night. How are you doing, Alex? I'm, well, I'm doing well. I'm a little brain dead at the moment, to be honest. Uh, it's the end of the, the day, kind of, for normal people on Monday. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little brain dead, but we're pushing through, you know? it's It's been long long days but things are good things are good I can't complain the team looks good um I was really happy to see the amount of energy that players had I know there's a lot of concern from people about the quick turnaround between games so it was good to see the energy and tomorrow well as this comes out today one day travel trip so head to Chicago and come back the very same night so we'll get back around one in the morning I think but um yeah it'll be a long long day but excited to get another match under the belt I was gonna say uh what goes into that when you've – no one's ever traveled. I, that might be a USL thing, maybe, but I can't think of any other instance where FCC would travel the same day. Yeah, it's interesting. So we will meet at the airport. Um, we obviously have to charter because of COVID. Sorry, that may not be obvious, but charter flights because of um, the coronavirus, minimal exposure, testing the day before the game. So we all got tested Monday morning. Um, get on a flight and then you arrive really early. I think MLS requires you to be there about five hours before the game minimum. So then you go to a hotel and just kind of relax until then. Um, Matt Schisler and myself will head over early with Teddy Kerr, the equipment manager, um, very early to the stadium and um, kind of help set up the locker room and get everything set. And then the guys show up and have the match we have the post-match press conference get back on a plane and head home so it, it'll be a quick turnaround kind of a weird day um a lot of hurry up and wait i think just as far as the travel bit and getting to the stadium as well so we'll see how it plays out i hope legs aren't dead you know you have to imagine that could be affected with travel just traveling and playing the same day could be a bit of a challenge but we'll we'll see what happens yeah it's an interesting game obviously one day trip even to Chicago is a lot but you you're coming off only four days in between matches and you enter this game where um, you're playing a team that just lost 3-0 to Chicago or uh, Columbus crew but Chicago's kind of entering this one changing their tactics uh, so you don't exactly know the team you're facing against so it's kind of like mm -hmm. well we got a limited window so let's just do what we can do. Yeah, you're right. They they played more of a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it, in Orlando, and then played a 4-3-3 against Columbus the other night. So that game also, I feel like the scoreline was a little bit misleading. It was pretty much a 1-0 game until the last few minutes when Columbus buried two more goals. Um, you know, Nagby's goal, you're not going to stop that unless you're, you're pressing him. It was, it was a beaut. So um, even Yop said that too, you know, they're where they are in the standings is not necessarily indicative of their talent. So they are a, a better team than I think people expect. So I would, I would anticipate a good game with Chicago. Um, it, it's their home opener. So soldier field. So I'm sure there's going to be some excitement surrounding that for their club also. Yeah. The fact that you're going back to soldier field with or without fans is a big deal for the Chicago fire. Uh, obviously they went, had a rebrand in the off season. Um, it was pretty cool to hear Andrew Gutman say straight up, like, look, I used to play in their academy, but I used to go to games at Soldier Field. So the fact that he didn't say that I'm part of the first game back there, but you can tell that's that's a really big deal for him. Yeah, he said, I will always be a Chicago Fire fan, and they helped create him and develop him as a player. 
he never played for their first team, but throughout his youth and development days, you know, growing up, yeah, he, he was part of their academy. So for sure a soft spot for him. So he's going to have a clean sheet and uh, two assists tonight. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, switching up gears a little bit. So um, a little personal news. So this is my last week full-time with FC Cincinnati. Um, I will be transitioning. Uh, I'm moving, so I'm going to be relocating. So it's a bit of a weird um, feeling when you've gone from having, I think, like 150 games or however many it is to not covering them anymore. Um, It's not a complete goodbye. Uh, Obviously, I've done a lot with the team. Um, I was talking to our next guest that, I'd like to just become a hermit and go live in a cave, but you know, that's not, that's not happening. So nobody wants that. Come on, you love it here. Yeah. So, and and it's, it's been great. Um, I think, I don't know how many fans have been a part of the team since the beginning in 2016 or even the announcement in 2015. Uh, But it's wild to see just how much has changed. Like I've said this, I feel like uh, ad nauseum, but like in 2015, I was with the Cincinnati saints we had uh, 50 people going to the games and you're like, man, this is really big. This is as good as it can get. Uh, and so to go from that to building West End Stadium is absolutely unreal. Um, so it's been awesome. And the fact that uh, I can be a fan will be uh, something different, but I'm looking forward to that. Well, we will miss you. And I think I'm going to say it on here because I said it on the all-staff call when I had to announce that you were – departing the club um but charlie we've really appreciated everything that you've done and it's been incredible to see you grow you were here before me you know covering the team in in a different capacity but having you officially join the front office and the stories that you've been able to tell i know it's been an interesting um transition for you where you cover the team um from a journalist perspective and now it's also you know more and more positive working for the club but i think you've done an excellent job and highlighting the storylines that people have no idea about shedding light on on players and um, front office members people surrounding um, the club also and you've you've had to tell some some tough stories I mean you think about the season the 2019 <laughs> season it's it's hard to be super positive after games and so you know kudos to you for all the challenges you've overcome I've seen you develop a lot on social media you on camera and starting a podcast I mean Charlie you've, you've done so much while you're here and so yeah, when I started thinking about all the things that we were going to miss with with you leaving, it's just it's a long, long list. So we will miss you very much, but I'm excited that you're still going to be contributing. So guys, if you're listening, you can still catch Charlie Hatch on the website. He's going to be writing for us some, and excited to read some of those stories. Yes, not all doom and gloom. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words, and also thank you for highlighting the lineup notes in the staff call. I think those are the coolest thing. I don't know Me why. Too. It's completely, you know. If anything I think else, they're amazing, and they give so much context. To be honest, Charlie, I get a little irritated when people ask so many questions. Yes. In regards to the starting lineup, click, click lineup notes, guys. It's really beneficial. Charlie gives you all the context you need to know as to why someone might not be in the lineup that night, or who, you know, what position they're in. Lineup notes are worth your read. Lineup notes. But uh, with that, we will uh, transition to our interview guest. We have uh, the Pat Lad, as he's known around uh, non. I guess outside the newsroom, all of us know him, Patrick Brennan, uh, my old co-worker. Uh, so we were talking to him. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. Uh, first, a message from our partner, then our interview. However you're connecting at home, make sure you're doing it at the speed of fiber. With the only fiber network in town, 
Cincinnati Bell gives you the fastest internet with speeds up to a gig, the bandwidth you need to support all your devices at once, and whole home Wi-Fi to keep your whole home connected. That means your entire household can work, learn, listen, stream, game, binge watch, and browse from anywhere in the house, all at the same time without buffering or delays. Cincinnati Bell, powered by fiber to power your connected life. Hello and welcome to our interview segment of the Orange and Blue Review. Alex and I are joined by the Pat Lad, Patrick Brennan of the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, someone I've worked with for a long time, and I finally got to see again in the press box the other day. Pat, how's it going? Chuck, it's going really well, man. And it really, it really was nice when you reached out to invite me on because you guys obviously have your pick of uh, not only the great and interesting personalities and people throughout the organization, but uh, from around the world's the world's game, so uh, it's great to be on with you and on this on this pod in particular. It's very special. Yes. So, so thank, you. Th- thank you, thank th- you, thank you both for having me on. It's a pleasure. How long has it been that uh, you guys have have worked together over the years? I know you started at the Inquirer together. Well, Charlie was an intern, correct? Yeah, not, Charlie not was initially, an intern. Though. I what were you? So I was freelancing to start. Oh, right. Yeah. And then it's kind of a weird back step, but not really a back step. In a way, the internship made your connection to the Inquirer more formal, even if it was, you know, in title, probably a step backward. You can go, go for it. No, no, no. I was going to say, so (laughs) the initial press conference that FC Cincinnati's announced, I don't think you were there, but Mm. you had written it like you had a byline for the story. Yeah. Um, I was there with Matt Chisler, who's sitting behind Alex right now. I was uh, in charge of recording the podcast or the um, press conference. The first time I met you was the first home game. Um, I was freelancing. It was I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say here. Go I don't. On. No, I don't know what you're. I don't remember. I was going to say I was just doing one story a week or whatever it was. I remember FC Cincinnati got its own place on Cincinnati.com, like as a, a sub header. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah, so, yeah. I um, think uh, I think Jeff called and argued strongly for that, and uh, <laughs> he got it. And uh, how smart was that? No, man. It's you know one of the great things about. I never looked at you as like a freelancer or an intern. You were always my partner. We were always equal, side by side in everything that we did. Uh, I knew that. If, if there was something I couldn't get to, you could do it and probably do it better than me. And one of the things that I'm most proud of is that, uh, not just with you, but interns in general, when they come in, not everyone wants to share a beat with an intern, right? I don't think that's, I don't think, not that it's all my say, you know, but I could have kicked and screamed about it anytime. We have an intern right now. And if I wanted to be a total jerk, I could cry about it and say, no, 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 you know, I, I'm self-conscious. I want to keep this all to myself. But I am the thing with you is I'm most proud of stepping aside and being open to the partnership. And then that was all I did. You did all the rest. And you were a self-made success as a reporter, self-made success at FC Cincinnati. And uh I'm just happy I could be there to kind of crack the door for you so you could kick it down. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's sad. It's sad. Oh, to, I don't, uh, we don't, uh, we didn't bring you on to be, here. we didn't bring you on to be a hype man for me. But, <laughs> but that's I mean, what it is, man. He took a step to the side and just, just watched you blossom, Charlie. Watched you Yeah, blossom. no. <laughs> yeah, you really did. 
I was going to say, I mean, it was awesome that, um, you know, you don't really think about it at the time. Cause like we were both working and a lot of people don't really know this. Like with Pat is you are still doing breaking news. And so like you and I, um, we're working together at a game. So it's a college kid who really doesn't know what they're doing, like, but just wants to cover soccer. And then there's you who's covering a game till midnight and then getting up to work at five in the morning for the morning, like news shift. Yeah. Like I think covering, the fir- like shoot shootings and drug busts. And the, then, <laughs> yes. The first time I reached out to you is like three 30 in the morning at college. I was like, Oh man, there's a shooting like down the street from where I live. Also, I, I remember soccer too. How you doing? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a uh, no. It's been wild. The whole, I think the only time we ever like had a conversation of what to do, is when you got you were full time FC Cincinnati in like July of 2018. So at that point, it had already been basically two and a half, almost three seasons. So yeah, yeah, small world. And we've been. Uh... The family has grown. Obviously, more people came aboard. Alex was part of that. I, we let's let's broaden out the the, the dialogue here because <laughs> no, feel like no, Alex... <laughs> no. This is okay. This is this is for you guys. This is Charlie's oh. sayonara. But so I'm, I want to know ahead. what the what first impressions were like. What's what's a a story that stands out to both of you of something that you guys remember from working one another with one another and it could be at the inquirer it could be now while you're still both writing about fc cincinnati covering fc cincinnati Mm. well i remember when charlie broke the news about so it's a real let's if we're going to talk about it let's just let's have a real conversation (laughs) about it our our charlie and i had a very complicated relationship because we (laughs) both neither of us were full-time fc cincinnati we both wanted that, and I think there was some tension there. Was this like certain... on Facebook relationship status? It's complicated. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was in 2018, and um, it, it was hard because you're you're friends with this person, but you know there were definitely times when I was like, "Yikes!" Like I, I was a full time employee at the Inquirer, so I felt like I was the heir to the throne in a way, but. I couldn't help but look over my shoulder and be self-conscious at times because of the work that Charlie was doing because of his knowledge of the game. And um, there were tons of stories that I was like super jealous of and I would get all agitated and (laughs) annoyed about it. Uh, One was like in 2016 when I think the dynamic was, we weren't, we weren't friends so much yet. It was still like the first half of that inaugural season and Charlie broke the story about Crystal Palace coming to play FC Cincinnati, which kind of melted the website down. And I was like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't be so friendly. Thank you <laughs> to the person who told one. me that. That, that. that was a great one. <laughs> and then, you know, there were in-depth analyses and things that came later. But that one was – that's in your that's on your greatest hits album for sure, Charlie. No, uh, I just remember – Jeff Burning, this was super awkward, was like, oh, there's the guy that broke the story. And I was like, no, dude, like you guys announced this at 4.30 and like it was announced because Crystal Palace was in England at the time. So yeah, obviously. Yeah. So like, but you had, you had helped out. I had no idea. It was just someone had tipped me off that it was happening. Um, but no, it was, it was weird at the beginning that the first time I saw Pat, uh, I was like, hey, I'm Charlie. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. 
it's like right before the national anthem and there's supposed to be a flyover at the first game and there wasn't and he's like oh where's the flyover gonna be at and i was like whoa how does this guy know this thing this is so knowledgeable <laughs> that's <laughs> but, um, amazing that Kyle, you're, to- you're great at remembering like first encounters well, yeah so you really weird. are it was like you really a, are i don't know there and then i remember like since. like there was so much to write about that first game because no one knew what, what it was going to be and um it ended up being this great spectacle and there was so much to write about with the fans and um i was like oh my god i've got a second person here that i can lean on and apparently you know you and i were hearing about difficulties the club was having or the club the stadium what whatever they were just overwhelmed with i think credit card transactions and they couldn't do it because there were so many more people at the mat at that first match against charlotte than they anticipated so i was like i like i i like actually gave you an assignment i was like charlie go go write about uh uh the, the failure of this system and you go talk to <laughs> jeff about it like i was your boss and I'm surprised, that's what I thought you were going to actually bring up because you ever since then, and I thought this is a great story. It's, it's negative, but it's kind of positive in a way. And uh, you were just like, you just wanted to write about the soccer and you were not thinking about the internship in terms of like, like the business side of the organization at that point. So I remember you resenting that for the rest of time and probably never live it down no you know what no you know what's funny because uh honestly (laughs) i completely forget and now i think it's funny because it's like um fc cincinnati has fourteen thousand people um another media outlet i won't name i brought up to them if they wanted fcc coverage and they said well no one's gonna really pay attention to that team so you know shame on yeah but uh no i thought it was just funny because i was like who are these people waiting 45 minutes for a scarf like (laughs) That was my, uh, once you were like, Hey, go do it. Um, that was what I was thinking, but I was going to say, um, (laughs) this is like, Alex, you were always part of this on the, I guess you saw FC Cincinnati from the outside and Mm -hmm. everything that FC Cincinnati did, it was just like, well, I guess it can't get better. And then it just kept getting better. Um, so I guess the question, I sure thought it could get better. Well, I mean, so (laughs) I mean, a question for both of you is like, uh, I guess for Pat, when I want to hear Alex's voice first because okay. it's mostly been you and I talking so right. far. <laughs> so, so Alex, the Open Cup game, FC Cincinnati wins. GB weeps on the field, just real tears. It's like the greatest <laughs> thing ever for Cincinnati. What are you thinking at that moment when it's this USL team that is legitimately like doubling the attendance of Columbus? Well, at first it was like, you know, you might have to bleep, oh, sh- <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because I'm standing on the sideline, it's like, okay, chance after chance after chance for Columbus. And I'm like, come on, you know, you got pretty much all the starters out there. I'm like, this is, this is not a game that we should lose. Like, what do you mean? So watching the game and I remember like the chance, and we've kind of talked about this before also, you know, Columbus had this tiny, tiny section of fans and they were very organized and very loud. And, um, and I remember looking up and looking around and seeing this entire sea of orange and blue and Columbus games. It was pretty rare that you would see like a sea of black and gold, yellow, whatever color you want to call it. It was pretty rare that you would see that. So I was amazed at the number of people, number of fans that you saw in FCC gear 
in the team colors, like standing up, cheering. And as the game went on, it got louder and louder. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like still haven't scored yet. Are we, no, we're not going to lose. Like this is, we can't lose. This is crazy. And then, yeah, just how the game played out. It was wild. And I remember everyone kind of talking about it after the game where, oh, is this, this is a rivalry because there were talks about it before the game even started. This is a rivalry in Ohio and, um, you know, talking hell is real. And Columbus players for the most part wanted nothing to do with it. It's like, you guys are in USL, the crews in MLS. Like that's how, people from Columbus were viewing it and they're like it can't be a rivalry across leagues well just seeing the fans and the atmosphere and actually losing that game ultimately it was like okay this this team is legit and continuing to watch the open cup run even though I had no ties to Cincinnati I was intrigued and watched the game against Chicago and I remember just thinking wow like this is this is serious this is something real and seeing the growth of the team and the development, but seeing the fans and having witnessed it at Nippert Stadium, when they were talking about MLS expansion bids, I'm like, it has to be Cincinnati. It has to be. That is absolutely, they've proven themselves on the field, in the stands. They deserve to be in this league. And so initially when they didn't get the bid, I was blown away. And I was like, mm, this is kind of weird. I don't, I don't understand like why they wouldn't pick Cincinnati to have an MLS team. So then eventually like, you know, things, things changed down the road and I ended up here, but not knowing when I was in talks with Cincinnati, I didn't know for sure that they were going to be an MLS team. I still didn't know that. Um, but even then it was like, this is, this is exciting. This is something big. And just to see the passion of the fans was, was something that really sold me. Nice. I mean, so, I mean, for you, Pat, during that game, um, like I used to have crew season tickets as a kid. So it was like a huge mm-hmm. deal that, Columbus at first they're coming to Cincinnati but then they lose to them um I guess for you how did you see all that stuff and then how do you process it because you remember we used to always do like an attendance story or is always like oh the other coach said nice words about Cincinnati but I think it started switching at that point where it's like no FC Cincinnati is FC Cincinnati and you know MLS is going to take notice yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I had this. I'm from Philadelphia originally, but I had the same reverence for uh, Columbus that Alex would have and Charlie that you would have because when I'm embarrassed to mention this with someone that actually played at a high level of college soccer, but when I played my first season of college soccer in 2008, Division Three, um, I don't even want to say where because it's so embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> the crew well the crew the crew won mls cup that year so yeah and, and that was a time in my life when i was living it i was eating soccer consuming it you know for hours and hours every day and playing it for hours every day um and then i transferred to ohio state strictly for academic purposes certainly not to play the game um but you know then you're in columbus and um, I, I liked Ohio State football and all that stuff, but like when you wanted to get away from that, which I think most people need a break at some point, especially if you're not from there, um, you would go to crew matches and they were really good at that time. That was like 2010, kind of the end of those great crew teams with Robbie Rogers and Eddie Gavin and Alex, you were around for that stuff. And, um, so I had all the reverence and respect in the world for 
Columbus as an organization. Um, and yeah, the match was just surreal. Uh, fast forward to 2017. And um, I thought the accomplishment, now people had talked about it in 2016 because it was possible that it was going to happen. Uh, FC Cincinnati needed to win a game that they ultimately lost against Tampa Bay Rowdies. So it ended up being a moot point. But, you know, there had already been kind of a slight cast in the fan, and I think in the eyes of FC Cincinnati fans, because the game that would have happened was going to be played at Jesse Owens Stadium on the Ohio State campus, mm -hmm. which is a great facility, uh, but it, does, it certainly doesn't hold the capacity of a crew or a mob free stadium. Uh, so down here, I feel like people were already, already felt slighted by Columbus. So then next year you actually advance to that portion of the tournament where MLS teams enter and begin to play. And I remember walking on uh, the lower concourse or well, the main concourse uh, going up to the press box. And I just remember I took a picture of the scoreboard cause it was FC Cincinnati's badge and Columbus badge, and they were next to each other. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I thought the accomplishment that day would be just in that the match happened and the turnout was going to be great. And that was going to be a great statement for FC Cincinnati. The atmosphere, um, which I expected to be sucked from the stadium after Columbus scored in the fifth minute, and then they'd go on to win 5 nothing, and we'd all go back to our lives. But Justin um, Merrim almost scored like 70 seconds into the game. Yeah, Probably should have yeah. scored. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. Like, I was – I mean, no one could have predicted what happened that day. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, in terms of, you know, could things it – it certainly didn't feel that day like things could get a whole lot better just in terms of – I mean, that was the story in sports that day. Um, Scott Van Pelt singled it out and talked about it on his – uh, Midnight Sports Center that night, you know, it was the biggest story in sports. So at the time, like Alex talked about, like, yeah, things can get better. Um, and that was obviously the case. But th on that day, it didn't feel to me like it could get a whole lot better. And that's also, Alex, um, to your point, it was during that U.S. Open Cup run when I was also just like, well, they're getting in to MLS. They're going to get the bid. Right. How could they be turned away? I mean, even if you have reservations about the marketplace and, you know, can a metro, is this a big enough metro area? Is it a big enough city? Where's the stadium going to go? All those are legit concerns, but I just thought you cannot say no. And I think Taylor Twelman said something to this effect during the Chicago fire match. Um, it was just like, you cannot turn this away. You cannot pass right. on this. And people in Sacramento and uh, Phoenix might be saying, well, we, <laughs> Hi, like you actually can pass on this, but I think Cincinnati was respectfully. I think Cincinnati showed better and showed more than mm -hmm. um, you know the Phoenixes and the Sacramentos and the St. Louises have. So um, yeah, I think Charlie, that was the point when we started to get away from like, oh, here's what Dan Cordemanch said. Here's a nice <laughs> thing Dan Cordemanch said, and that's like the headline, or you know. Um, it just became more substance over kind of flash in the pan. Respected soccer dude says X, Y, and Z about FC Cincinnati. Right. I think that was the point when we got away from the novelty of it and more like 
okay, these are the reasons why it needs, it should happen here. And it did. I was going to, so I want to adjust real quick. I want to talk about 2020 and just like the craziness now, but I'm just curious. Um, is there ever been a moment where, you know, you're covering a Richmond kickers game and you're like, okay, USL, so be it. Is there ever a moment that turns on and you're like, man, they made it into MLS. And speaking for me personally, um, so both of you were at the Seattle game, the first game, but the, to me, it was mind blowing uh, being at home, sitting there waiting, thinking like, wow, this team, you know, in 2016 was just an idea. I thought the team personally would fail. Like, I'm not ashamed to say it. I just didn't, I, I just had worked for an NPSL team that didn't get a lot of fans. I thought they'd done everything they could. Obviously they didn't have the money that FC Cincinnati does the branding, everything. Um, but I was like, wow, I can't believe they got here. Um, I think there are a lot of people at the beginning who were fans at the beginning who think that now, but I'm wondering what you think or you ever think like, you know, now I'm traveling when the team's playing at DC United as opposed to, you know, driving over to see the Harris, um, Harrisburg City Islanders or something like that. Yeah, here, I can take this real quick, and then I want to hear Alex's answer because I'll just spit this out because I just talked for like 10 minutes. But <laughs> Seattle was a really good – it's like it's cliche, and there were so many uh, diehard fans that we all know by name and by face that were there. So it was kind of like a, a, a huge traveling party. But um, And there were a lot of Cincy media there. But the Seattle match was really like, wow, we are – this is it. Because Alex, as you know better than me, like um, – you know, Seattle CenturyLink field when the Sounders play there. I mean, that's the cauldron, you know, you are, and for FC Cincinnati to be thrown into that for their first game, you know, all of us, it's a cross, it's a, a cross country flight to get there. Um, you know, that, that felt pretty big time, especially for me having covered USL for three years. And I will, I just real quickly again, um, there were times when, during MLS is back, actually, when I was obviously covering the team remotely during the Atlanta, when Frankie Amaya scored, actually, and I was covering remotely and, you know, here in East Walnut Hills, Cincinnati, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, it is freaking incredible that there in MLS, we were watching them play well at that moment. And, um, yeah, that those were two times when I just thought, I cannot believe this is here. And, Personally, I can't believe this is my job, but Alex, I want to hear you. <laughs> different, different perspective for me, I guess, because it was different going from MLS for, you know, three and a half years to then going to the USL and the USL games that I got to experience were so fun. Honestly, like just the USL days, it was just fun. It was such a great group of guys, very laid back, really like just cared about you as people and you know i'd send them photos from training and they're like oh my gosh like you take all these pictures and send them to us and we can use them you know just things that i was like yeah this is normal right you know just just stuff that you know i wanted to raise the bar i wanted to raise the level and say this is what we can do with content and having kind of a blank slate when i came in was really exciting because it was you know just a, a new opportunity to say okay this team is going to to become something incredibly special there's going to be a lot of eyes on it um, next season. So let's hit the ground running now, be a well-oiled machine by the time the MLS season kicks off. 
And I think that we did have that um, practice and everything, and, and it did help. So the USL games were fun. We didn't lose a game until the very, very end, the entire time I was here. So, yes, it was a lot of fun. Winning is the greatest thing ever. It's, it makes everything better. So really, really enjoyed that. And then, yeah, I think Seattle, that game was incredibly special, as well as the Portland game at home at Nippert Stadium. That was one of those things where um, Liz Summers actually said, hey, take a moment. Like, don't forget to stop and look around you and think about what you're a part of right now. So doing that in Seattle, doing that in Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium, those were two times, two moments where it was like nobody, not not many people had the opportunity to be a part of something like this from the start. You were there from the beginning of the MLS era for FC Cincinnati. So that that was a, an exciting part for me. Yeah. Oh, now, if you really want to get us talking, especially Charlie and I, if we go back to the USL days and some of the the Bush League stuff that we saw in the USL. <laughs> we could do another, a whole, a separate podcast on that. Charlie, what, you looked like you were going to say something, though. No, I was going to say it's, it's just funny. Um, in a lot of ways, the things that I'm doing now are similar to what I did when it was USL. Um, and I don't know if you agree with this, but, like, because we don't have – we can't go to the games, well, we couldn't go, and then we're in the press box at Nippert. It's almost like – like I, this is, I've never really told anybody about this publicly, but this is, is a cool story. Um, so I was tweeting, I forget what I said. It was something that Johan Dame didn't like. Okay. And so Johan sends me a DM on Twitter. This is classic. And he's like, Hey, just so you know, uh, I want you to come to practice and we can talk about stuff. I had tweeted, uh, that I had just watched 45 minutes of soccer. I'll never get back in my life. Right. So he's like, that's great analysis. So he, he sees me and he's like, Hey, just so you know, um, you know, what makes you an expert or a reporter if you can't be a practice? You know, you have no idea what's going on. Like at that time, GB was training with the third team. Um, I was like, you got, you got a good point. This is also the first day of my internship. So I'll see you every day moving forward. Um, and I did obviously, but it, it's uh, weird now, like Alex is there with the players, but like both Pat and I, you know, we don't go to practice. We don't get to see anything other than these Zoom calls. And, you know, you have Yop Stom, this coaching legend, who maybe knows my voice but probably doesn't know anything else because he can't see us during these uh, during the press conferences. Mm -hmm. No, kudos to you guys because, I mean, your jobs have gotten exceptionally harder throughout this, this time period. And all of the hurdles that you guys have to go over for – you know, Zoom calls, we were talking about it before this, where we're very lucky Zoom exists and we can do podcasts <laughs> like this. But, you know, the press conferences and you don't get to ask endless amounts of questions because, you know, we're trying to get on a flight. This We're going to be traveling the same day and it's after the game. OK, the whole team is waiting on us to finish up and get out of here. So everything is kind of quick. And, you know, same thing with training. It's you're working with kind of what you're given. And, and that's very challenging. You don't get to see things develop on the field to, to develop storylines in your mind. You don't get to see people interacting with one another that gives you an idea. So it's, it's very, very challenging. And I commend you guys for what you've been able to do with the challenges that this pandemic has, has really created. Uh, we're doing this on Zoom, obviously, and Shiz just walked into the picture behind <laughs> Alex. And that's really fitting because it's totally, it's so, I have personally been in debt. I think all FC Cincinnati fans are indebted to you guys for the work that you did in the bubble and are still doing 
because you sent everything. I mean, you were, you were the link to all the news by what you would send back up to Cincinnati from the bubble, uh, absent you guys. And obviously, you know, hopefully all the clubs had something like what you were doing. I can't imagine they did it better than you guys did. But, I mean, we would have been totally lost uh, had you guys not been doing what you were doing and what you're doing now. Um, and you had to, you know, go through everything with the bubble, which I'm sure was good and, you know, equal parts good and bad. But, yeah, it, like no one – like one thing I mentioned before we came on here, you don't think about – something I didn't think about is like, you know – when you stay in the team hotel, you just ride the elevator down with people and shake hands. And um, mm -hmm. last weekend I tweeted this out, like it sucks when someone like Fatai Lache gets traded and I can't, you know, maybe he would have been at the facility had the pandemic not been going on. Maybe he would have not come in that day because of the trade, but I don't get the opportunity to shake his hand after working with mm -hmm. him for parts of three years and the personal connection you know, it just, it hurts to not have it, to be quite honest. So we are uh, slowly running out of time per Zoom, but I have to ask uh, both of you, I guess, Two favorite... minutes? You're going to ask us both a question? I know. Well, no. So favorite... I know. It's, favorite, I'm sorry. No, no. This is fine. Really this has been great. It's a podcast. It it's what you do. Um, favorite, like, just most USL moment. I'm going to quickly say, Pat and I... Uh, 2017 covering Bethlehem Steel. It's raining. <laughs> Neither of us wanted to leave the press box. So Pat was like, I hope there's a rain delay. I hope there's a rain delay. And in the 93rd minute, there was a two hour rain delay. And then they just ended up canceling the game or right, like postponing it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but yeah. USL keep come, kept coming out saying, like, Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, we'll get the game going. They never did. Yeah. Um, so. What do you got? Mine was, well, obviously, and I tweet about it all the time. People are probably sick of hearing <laughs> me talk about it. But I really did get locked in the stadium at Harrisburg City Islanders. And I, I, I kind of live tweeted it once I, I was like, holy crap, I can't get out of here. And I hurt my knee jumping from about 10 feet to get out eventually. <laughs> but Liz, Liz Summers and uh, Alan Koch, who was then the head coach, they both texted me separately and they were like, wait, is this serious? Do you need us to come get you? <laughs> Shout out, Liz. Um, and it was, I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Sorry, I cursed. Like, <laughs> it, it was just like, what world am I living in where I get locked in a professional stadium after a game has taken place? Just ridiculous. Favorite, favorite USL memory was getting stuck in Louisville in a monsoon on a baseball field. Uh, was absolutely drenched from head to toe. I was even just standing in the dugout because I couldn't go into the locker room because the players were all drenched and needed to change. So I was just standing there and was really, really worried about my camera equipment getting ruined. So I had to stop shooting because it was to the point that I couldn't see. And I was like, this rain gear is not going to hold up. It's going to get soaked. And then we had to go back a couple of days later and end up finishing the rest of the game. And yes, Corbin Bone scored the goal that uh, like stopped pretty much. It hit a puddle and just <laughs> trickled in. Yeah, so that was uh, that was quite a memory. That was incredible because Louisville already had this like horrible. Obviously, now they have this totally class stadium, but back then, like everyone hated like players and coaches. I mean, 
everyone hated going there because the field was so awful and so dangerous and you didn't think it could get worse. And that night it was, it was I, I can't believe they started the game. It was incredible. I missed the game. I was covering, uh, I was covering college football that night. So I was looking at all of your posts. I was like, this is incredible. This, seeing the pictures sitting in it was a, not incredible. a dry <laughs> yeah, <it> was box. <laughs> I just wanted to be dry. <laughs> well, I just have to say, just for the listeners out there, that this is our second Zoom call because we were talking on that last question, and in very USL moments, we ran out of time. So we're was, mid, yeah, we were just mid-answer, and it cut out. Um, but I just want to say th- thank you to uh, to the Pat Lad for joining us. Um, I will see you obviously on Saturday for the Hell Is Real Derby. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, my friend. I'm looking forward to it's it. Gonna be, and, uh, I've enjoyed watching your growth and uh well obviously this is not the end. This is not the end for Chuck. I'm not I'm not dying. <laughs> right. I'll still be around, but uh just yeah. to clarify. Maybe I yeah, maybe people <laughs> listening to me talk about it are gonna get the wrong idea. So no, but uh appreciate it. You were uh far too generous at the beginning. Uh as you mentioned. It, it might have been the case. It, it, yeah, it totally worked. Right. But I think it created because right, I ended up having to fight tooth and nail for the job. <laughs> It did create a, a tension, but it was um, in re- in retrospect, it's it's good that everything worked out the way it did. And, I think uh, so. I think so. But uh, in other news, we move on. FCC, the FCC uh, train doesn't stop rolling, as we both know, and Alex knows, who's always traveling with the team. So, thank you for joining us, man. And I will uh, I'll see you in the flesh on Saturday. Thank you, night. guys. Thank I you. Wish, Pat. I wish we could say the same about Alex. We'll see her. She won't see us, but yeah, right. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Virtually. Virtually. Donation is diversity. It does not discriminate on the basis of race or color. Sophomore year of high school, I was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. Through parts of college, my kidney function deteriorated to the point that I needed to transplant. But fortunately, my adopted sister was able to be my donor. Having my transplant has made me be more appreciative of the gift I was given, and I can pass that gift on. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month. Register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor today at lifepassiton.org. All right, welcome back. We just had our interview with Patrick Brennan, and I got to say, I thought it was pretty awesome that our Zoom call uh, cut short during the interview. That's just like the, given everything that he and I have done, that I wouldn't want it any other way. It sounds like, I mean, it was amazing to hear just the chemistry you guys have had since the beginning and how how tough that has to be also. You know, it's somewhat competitive, but also friendly in nature and like you learning from him, him learning from you. I mean, it's it's incredible that that was a big part to the start of your career. So it's cool that it's been with FC Cincinnati and it was great to hear Pat Brennan shed some light on that. And yeah, it cracked me up how long that went. And he kept saying, sorry, I talked too much. I talked too much. I feel bad for not talking to Pat more throughout this time where we don't get to see each other at training all the time. And yeah, it's, it's nice to catch up with him. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been weird as like, obviously you're with the team all the time, but uh, it's a bit interesting when you're not around people. Um, and I got to see Pat in the press box for, you know, the first time in however long. He and I hadn't been in a press box together since September. Um, wow. So it's being able to talk about that. But also it was just weird. Um, I wrote about this the other day. But so I, I am being honest. I am 100% on board with not having fans until it is 100% safe. Mm-hmm. But that being said, 
it was very strange being in Nippert, knowing that this club is basically built by the fans and then they're not there and you're just kind of, not what's the use, but you're just sitting there like, yeah, this is just, this is pretty lonely to be honest. Not the same. It's not the same. I agree with you. I will say um, it was interesting. It was kind of an eerie feeling. I feel like there was a little bit less pressure to be honest. I don't know if the players necessarily felt that, but I kind of did. And I will say one positive from it was I could actually hear the answers in an interview. I will say at never on the road, even sometimes like when I'm standing there listening, you know, halftime, it's so hard, especially with an earpiece in and having our producer director, um, you know, David talking to me in the ear, it's like hard to hear what they're saying all the time. So to be able to just stand there and kind of have a conversation was like, oh, this is different. I can actually just talk to you and, and really hear what you're saying. So that was one positive, but I missed everyone a lot. And I mean, shout out to everyone who set up the daily with, with all the banners and the TIFO that looked really, really special. And yeah, just, just makes me miss everyone. So like for us, we always joke about this bulletproof glass on the press box. So we, I mean, we could not hear anything. There might've been like one or two whistles. Um, What was it like out on the field? Like, could you hear things that echo or um, it really just, I was at the game, but I really wasn't there. Like, what was it like being on the field? Yeah, you could definitely hear things better. That's something that you often miss in a game. It's just the communication. I mean, I wasn't standing directly next to Yap. I was on the other side of um, kind of the medical personnel there, but I could still hear what he was saying, you know, his instruction to the players until they come over and you do the little huddle unless I stick my head right in there. It's, <laughs> it's hard to hear, but um, you know, the, the communication on the field, you can hear things. So that from a different perspective was actually cool to hear also, but shout out to the broadcast also. I think it was really nice to have the crowd noise and to have SEC fans. Uh, Tommy made a joke about how a couple of times, I guess it was the crowd was like start to roar a little bit when, when Frankie touched the ball, Jeff Birding actually <laughs> told me this, that, that one of his friends said that happened. And I said, well, that's normal though. Anytime Frankie touches the ball, everyone that starts is. cheering. <laughs> I would, that's what you mentioned, like having the fans there with less pressure. I was thinking, uh, you know, if you have fans in those like first 20 minutes when Cincinnati is just pretty dug in, like that could either turn super toxic or it could be super motivational because you're like, yes, like we fended it off one, you know, true. another opportunity. It's um, true. They had a lot of set piece opportunities, a lot of, you know, easy fouls given up in that, that first 20 minute stretch too. That was a little nerve wracking, but yeah, weathered the storm. So we'll see what happens to the the first 20 minutes against Chicago. I think that's something I talked about with Frankie, you know, he thinks that that could make somewhat of a difference also take control those first 15 20 minutes but I mean fully expect Chicago to, to put high pressure on the team once again no for sure and Cincinnati uh, I would say going off that struggled at times to uh, beat DC's press and I think mm-hmm. we finally saw it when he started seeing the forwards drop back like uh, on Jurgen Lacadia when he hit the post he dropped back pretty deep close to the defenders and then sprung free from Alan mm-hmm. Cruz's ball um, yeah, which is actually what happened in Atlanta. Also, the the game in Orlando against Atlanta when JJ uh, Williams got the red card, that was like the same the same play, the same setup. Yeah, maybe we'll see it again. Yeah, yes. it's it's working. It's working. It is working. Well, uh, obviously we have a game coming up, so we have limited time. So we appreciate you listening, and thank you for listening all along. Honestly, as the someone who helped start a podcast in the middle of a pandemic, that was a you don't know what you're going to expect. Um, but I, it's turned out pretty well. Uh, thank you for listening. And, uh,
obviously I'm, like I said, I'm leaving my duties with the team, but I'll still be around. So we can't be all doom and gloom here. Okay. <laughs> and, and the fact that Columbus is the last game, I'm pretty excited about. It's a good one to end on. I will say. Yes. Uh, so FC Cincinnati at Chicago fire FC tonight, 7:30 PM Eastern time star 64 mm-hmm. FC Cincinnati.com slash stream. If you live inside the former flow market, if you do not, it's on ESPN plus also listen on wdjo or tune in so with that thank you for listening please i would say subscribe but i don't know when the next one is (laughs) so uh, thank you and uh, we will talk to you later Yeah.